I'm going to tell you why you need to start celebrating your biggest failures and what they can do for your future. And then I think blue-collar jobs are becoming the new white-collar jobs. We'll break that down. And then job cuts. What's the forecast look like? Let's go. All right, folks, I want to help you see your potential and meet your potential. That's it. And when you see your potential and meet your potential, let me tell you what happens. You're a happy person. You are winning in all areas of your life, not just your work life. All right, so let's talk about our failures. So we're taught from an early age to focus so much on our failures in the academic context, right? Uh, And... It's all about, well, you got to get better at your weaknesses, your weaknesses, weaknesses. And so uh, there's a heavy focus on failure when we're kids. And I think it creates this real phobia of failure as we get older. All right. Because we're told, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. And we fail. And we're like, ah. And just as we would go back and look at a failing grade on a test to figure out what do we need to learn, what do we not get right, I want us to be looking at our failures each and every year to learn something from them. Not to beat yourself up, to be ashamed, but to go, okay, what happened here? So if you can get clear about your biggest failure, let's say from 2023, as you head into 2024, I think it's going to set you up to really grow. And it could be the thing that has kept you stuck. And all of a sudden, if you go, okay, this is where I failed big last year and I and I learned what to do with it, uh, then I can move forward. But most people... In our relationship, professional failures, financial failures, physical failures, we just don't want to think about them. We don't like the awkwardness, the tension, the shame that it brings us. And, and I get it. I'm the same way. But what if we reframe, uh, reframe rather, failure as some interesting data? Reflecting on where you have fallen short tells you where your next opportunity is for growth and potentially a completely different path forward. It's what's been holding you back. Failure, failure, failure. Let me figure that out. Boom. All of a sudden, I could open up opportunity. And that's something to be excited about. So, learning from your failures requires a specific process of self-awareness. I know, because I had to figure it out. It's one thing to go back and reflect and think about the failures, but I'm talking about actually being intentional to learn from your failures. So I want to coach you uh, through a little process of how to learn from your failures. And I'm going to prove how well it works by sharing one of my own failures. So here we go. Good grief. This is not fun for me. I'm just going to tell you, it's not fun. As I look back and boy, oh boy, listen, I'm married. I have three teenagers and I do a lot of live teaching, speaking, writing, creating stuff. So my goodness, my failures happen on a daily basis. But one of the biggest failures that I can highlight in my life. And, and, and by the way, this is, it affects me and it affected me, still affects me uh, professionally and personally. And the mistake is this, or the failure is this operating from a place of force, not from a place of power. My biggest opportunity now then in 2024 is to start operating from a place of true power through vulnerability. So let's get to the root of this big failure because that's the first step. 
diagnose, and that means truly diagnose, you're digging in deep, deep, deep to get to the root of this biggest failure. So for me, this means examining the voices of fear and doubt in my head to figure out where this primal instinct to control and control from a place of fear and doubt, which means I can act with force. This can come across in uh, my tone, specific words that are being said, actions taken. And by the way, as I said, it affects you personally, in your relationship life, it affects your professional and your work life. The second step is to define, define that biggest opportunity for growth. So step one is like diagnose what's the root of the problem. And, and step two now is, okay, now that I know the root, what's the opportunity for growth? So for me, and this really sucks, is I've got to learn how to live in the tension of the fear and the doubt. Remember a quick reminder how I like to define fear. Fear is I'm afraid that something bad is going to happen. And doubt is I don't believe that something good will happen. And boy, those just they just play on each other. And they just get inside our head and they just they make us paralyzed. They make us angry. They make us sad. But sometimes, well, let me edit that. I think it's many times I have to be okay with everything not being okay. If I'm not okay, I got to be okay not being okay. I, I have to be aware of the feelings, why the feelings, and be vulnerable. In, the, in other words, allow myself to be weak, allow myself to sit in the tension and not try to control the situation. And if I'm vulnerable with myself, then I can be vulnerable with others. How do you be vulnerable with yourself? Quick little thought on this. The way to be vulnerable with yourself is to sit with those feelings and 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 own them. This is what I'm feeling. Either write it down, say it to yourself in the car, in the shower, in the hallway, whatever. At least to this third step. Create a plan to win and then hold yourself accountable to the plan. Now listen, you can't just say, I want to. It, it, it has to be a plan. So I've got a plan for making sure that I don't, continue this failure this failure to process my emotions properly the failure of trying to control with force situations that don't require that to force a different outcome to force a different reality to force another opinion how do I do that one is counseling regular counseling to continue to process and learn how to rewire the way my brain handles fear and doubt. It's huge. It's huge. Talking about it with Stacy, my wife, talking about it with close friends, the vulnerability to go, this is how I've always processed these things before. This is how I want to process them. Do you see it? How do you see it? And sometimes it's just being weak and honest and allowing others to just go, hey, you're doing good. <laughs> because forgiving ourselves is so massive. And sometimes the best way to get forgiveness for yourself is to share 
that rawness with other people who know you well and they go, hey, we're going to let you off the hook here. And when others let you off the hook because you really are a good person and you're weak and just like everybody else, then you give it to yourself. This is vital. This is vital that, and I just gave you one in, in my life that's not, it was not so much an incident, it's multiple incidents, but I look at it and I go, I failed. And, and this could be a theme of failure for years and years and years, but I'm just telling you, whatever it is for you, looking back on this year, not to wallow in it, not to self-sabotage and to believe this narrative about yourself, but to actually go, I want to dig into that. And I want to know why behind the failure. If I know the why, then it allows me to figure out what I'm doing to grow. So don't miss out on this valuable exercise because your full potential is on the other side of you being purposeful. Now, look, I'm afraid and you're afraid to acknowledge failures. I am. Okay. But, but I'm going to tell you something. When I look to moments in my life, that I could say to you were victories. And again, we're not focusing on my victories today. We're focusing on one of my big failures. But if I look at moments in my life where I had big victories, do you know what preceded those victories? It was personal growth. My biggest professional victories were always a result of intentional, personal victories. Meaning, Victory over something that was holding me back. Victory over a pattern of failures. That's the key. And that's what I want you to know. 2024, we're naturally thinking about the next year. Don't let it just be something you think about as resolutions. Think about it with intention to make it the best year of your life. It is our failures that inform our futures. Don't be afraid. Step into it. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Okay, let's talk about the degree. Let's talk about the college degree and uh, the long-held incorrect position that is the best way to make money. It's not anymore. Uh, You want to make good dough, no degree required. That's my bumper sticker. No degree required. So uh, I I was uh, scrolling through uh, Twitter. I refuse to call it X because we're still calling them tweets. And I saw this, I sent this to the guys, and I want you to see something. I just I just reading it this morning uh, over my coffee, and I got a big smile on my face. Let's throw that on the screen, guys. All right, this is from, uh, I don't know who this is. This was suggested to me. Yeah, I know who it is, but I don't know who it is. Do you know what I mean? I, this, is, this was suggested, it was in my flow, whatever you call it. So look at this. I had an HVAC technician at my house today performing my annual service. We got into a good conversation about his career path. He said... He debated going to college for computer engineering, computer science, but didn't have the financial means to do so. By the way, really quick insertion here. Uh, your, your, your average cost of a computer science degree is well over $100,000. It's nuts. He then gets a job as an HVAC tech right out of high school, and he hasn't looked back. A few of his points really stuck with me. And this is what uh, the chief nerd is saying this, this HVAC guy said to him. He said, his trade has a severe talent shortage. For every six guys retiring, only one new tech is joining the field. Crazy. It is crazy, but that is good for someone who wants to join that field right now. 
you're talking about really good pay and they really value you because they need you. Two, he said HVAC systems are turning into computers. So his skill set is especially in demand and the pay is excellent. So he's not an HVAC repairman. He's a computer repairman. Big difference. Three, he started his career with zero debt, whereas his friends already have school loans the size of small mortgage payments. Just something to think about. Boy, oh boy, is this true. Is this true? You think about how many trades are going to have a heavy technology play in them. Again, that's why I endorse Bethel Tech. You know, you can go get great computer training and turn it into a great gig, and you work outdoors, you work with people, you're making people happy all day long because nobody, nobody is more appreciated than your HVAC guy, unless it's the plumber or the electrician, something goes out. You are going to be valued by people most of the time. And look, you don't have to go to school for that. You don't have to go into debt for that. It's really, really great. So I was looking on social media around this, and there's some great stuff out there on social media. So I had the guys pull this. So let's talk real numbers. Let's talk, what is the financial opportunity for somebody who goes right out of high school into the pros? Kobe Bryant did it. Kevin Garnett did it. LeBron James did it. Why can't you do it? Watch this. What do you do? I'm like, I'm a welder. And they're like, oh. Okay, like I'm sorry. There's thousands of people all across the country that have got a very similar story as me. I dropped out of high school when I was 16 years old. My best year ever as an employee working by the hour, I made $352,000. You want to compare paychecks? Literally? Do you, do you want to? Like we can go there. We got to change just the the way people think about blue collar, and that's the whole thing with the blue collar revolution. Change the hearts and minds. The rest will follow. He's absolutely right. And it starts in the house. Starts in the house. Because I don't know. I wish, you know, a lot of times I get all pontificating on something that needs to change and how it can change. I don't know how we change the narrative if politicians don't get out of the business of student loans. Because as long as we have student loans in the United States, the message is going to be pervasive that you need to go get a four-year degree. It's big business, folks. The system is telling kids and has told you and, and, and your parents and probably your grandparents the same message. A degree is the best way to, to a great life, and it's just a rite of passage. Well, it's a bunch of crap. So I love these videos like this, and he's absolutely speaking the gospel truth. I don't know how we're going to change it in the system but we can change it in the streets. We change it in the streets by talking about it differently as parents and going, hey, what do you want to do? Hey, why as parents don't we take some visits to the local trade shop? Oh, we're taking college visits. I mean, it's time we start talking about it differently. You got a guy right there going, I made $350,000 a year as a plumber. Where's that narrative? You know, it's it's almost like it would be fun to take a camera crew into a school with high school seniors, and it would be fun to kind of go, all right, I'm going to lay out some uh, opportunities your way, okay? And you were to go, okay, well, option A, plumber, $350,000 a year, you know, and lay out all these different things. And, and when you lay it out, you go, this is the income you can make. This is how long it will take you to make that income. 
And here's how much debt you'll have associated with getting qualified to gain that income. And just let them vote. If your parents were cool with it, how many of you would jump on this path right now? I think it would be a runaway. I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting. So that's the conversation that has to change. And it's going to change on the streets. Those kind of videos, I hope they continue to go viral. Um, there needs to be a television element where, you know, we are glorifying the same way we glorify the college degree. We've got to glorify the path to doing really good work that's really, really valuable, but it isn't sexy. But I don't know. Let's talk about sexy and status, can we? That plumber cleans up pretty good, I'll bet. <laughs> you ask the average woman, hey, you want a guy that's got an EVP title that makes 300, uh, 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 an EVP title, the guy makes 150. He's executive vice president of small business, whatever. He wears nice clothes. His fingers never get dirty. You want that guy or do you want the plumber guy who makes 350 who comes home, showers up, and he's got a whole lot more going for him? Which one do you want, ladies? I don't know. I'd like to see that vote. I don't think anybody cares what you look like during the day when you're doing your job, doing good work. Why isn't there as much status for the plumber who's up underneath the crawl space, up underneath the sink, and that guy's making 350? And we don't give that guy the status, and we get the status to the clown who's wearing, honestly, a, a, a suit he got from S&K, and he's faking it? Come on! Where's the status? Why is the status placed on that? White collar versus blue collar? We've got it all wrong. And it's time we as Americans started talking about it in our homes, in the streets, in the hallways, at the restaurant, in the bars. We might see some real change and some real opportunity for true prosperity. back to the Ken Coleman Show. We're here to help you see your potential and meet that potential. What's on the other side of that? More meaning, more money, more freedom, and uh, interesting, we're going to touch on this issue of freedom. I'm seeing this as a massive, massive theme in the workplace right now. Uh, but, hey, if this show is encouraging you in any way, will you help us? You can help us grow because you are the ultimate arbiter of taste, and uh, if the show is helping you in any way, uh, would you like the videos you're watching on YouTube? Subscribe and share. If you're listening on podcasts, would you uh, give us a five-star review and share as well? We'd love for you to subscribe. Okay, the the trend that I'm seeing, and it's playing itself out in many different ways, and that is this human desire for freedom, which has always been around, now combining with this crazy moment in history with the COVID pandemic where work was 
interrupted, disrupted. You pick the adjective. Uh, not the uh, the whatever happened the noun or whatever whatever I'm saying. I don't know. All of a sudden, I've lost all grammar ability. But you can pick the word. But it was disrupted, interrupted, and it made us think about so much. It made us think about the rhythm in which we work. It made us think about the location in which we work. It made us think about the type of work that we enjoy. It just was an unbelievable time in history and we'll look back on it and i think that there'll be so much that we'll learn from it but it was the domino that is going to radically change how we work where we work when we work on and on and on and on so you take that seminal moment in history and it's almost like it was a big giant bucket of gasoline and you poured it on a raging fire that existed in the soul of man to be free. Thomas Jefferson writes it well. The pursuit of happiness. That is just hardwired in all of us. And so here's something interesting I want to... I think there's a lot in, in what we search for. And I should probably dive into this more often. I really appreciate the team um, hitting me with this. But remote jobs on Google search hit a record high. But the top five uh, occupations might surprise you. This is from a Fast Company article. And we were sitting in the meeting with the team the other day, and Alex threw this up on the the big TV. And I went through it like I'm going to go through it with you. And I had some some thoughts. And I'm going to share them. Number one, these are the top five occupations that people searched on Google and keep in mind the phrase was how to become that was the search phrase and these are the five oh good they're putting it on the screen for those of you watching for those of you that are listening number one how to become a real estate agent two how to become a notary three how to become a travel agent four how to become a flight attendant five how to become a pilot. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pause here and I'm going to roll through these really quick and I want you, those of you that are listening and watching, I want you to just think really quickly, is there a theme that you see? Are there two themes? Here we go. Real estate agent, notary, travel agent, flight attendant, pilot. Do you see a theme? I see one clear theme, and it's freedom. So let let me show you what I mean. These, well, first of all, when you look at remote jobs hit a record high, and then you see the top five occupations, there is somewhat of a correlation. And here's what I see when I say freedom. Let's look at real estate agent. A real estate agent who gets up and running and going um, they don't have normal office hours. They're coordinating with their clients when to show a house, when to take them out to see a house. Um, they work essentially for themselves, even though they're underneath a broker. There's this self-employed mentality. Obviously, you get what you put in when you're a real estate agent. Um, but I think that that there is a a sense of, well, if I blow it up, 
I can make as much money as I want. I can also decide how many clients I want to represent. Again, do you see what's going on here? Freedom of choice. A notary. Now, this is interesting. I thought I thought this was the most issue, but let me tell you what I know about notaries. Notaries go through their certification process, and I, I think I think there's like a notary on every floor at Ramsey Solutions, if I'm not mistaken. But the you know, point is, you know what a notary does? A notary is just always on call for that thing that needs to be notarized. They're very detail-oriented, and it's a nice little side hustle. Let's do a little extra money. And I don't really work for anybody. I'm just on call. Everybody needs a notary at some point. And and I again, I'm what am I seeing here? I'm looking for something that's pretty easy to do. I can control how much I do it. Makes me a little extra money. Freedom. Next, travel agent. Fascinating to me. So my wife recently went through the process of kicking the tires on being a travel agent. She had her girlfriend who's got a travel agency and she was talking to Stacy. She went, you'd be great, you'd be great, you'd be great. Okay. So I asked Stacy why. She goes, I think it might be fun. And I said, well, why? She said, well, I love planning our vacations. You get a lot of benefits. And travel's involved too, you know. So the benefits lead to travel. All that travel agent, again, works works on her time, however she wants, when she wants, with who she wants. What's going on? Ding, 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 freedom. Flight attendant. How to become a flight attendant. Now, what's going on with that? Can I just tell you something? The idea of handing out peanuts and drinks to all you people on a plane makes me want to jump off of a plane without a parachute. So obviously someone who's interested in that has probably a pretty good service background and loves serving people because that's a service-oriented job. But you know what else it is? Doesn't have normal office hours. You're getting travel all over the place. Again, where's the word here? Free. Freedom to fly. And then pilot. Now, pilot is very expensive to get trained and certified for that. Very expensive. But again, what's the theme? What's the theme? Well, I'm flying. Fly around the world. Nobody telling me what to do other than air traffic control, right? It's very interesting. What I see here is a theme of freedom. Freedom. And so the reason I share the list is this. What is it that you would search on Google? How to become a... But with these being the top five, there is a pattern here. It's just like any poll, any survey. What's amazing about surveys is, is they can poll a thousand people is considered a legitimate source of people that you are uh, doing a poll on. And then what they do is, is they get all these answers and they extrapolate them. They go, okay, we can now say that a majority of people. And so they can do it with great certainty. Okay. So in this situation, you've got these specific things are popping up as the top five and what we need to take away from this is actually really simple people are looking to work for themselves people are looking to make let's call it in their minds unlimited income in the sense that i'm going to make a little side money or i have the opportunity to make really really good money because the travel agent the notary that's a side agent thing, but it's, it's, Hey, it's something that's 
I can do over here. So people are going to always look for extra income. But let me tell you what that boils down to, freedom. And I want you to understand that if you can get to a point in your work life and the way you look at work and the way you look at your finances and go, wait a second, what I'm really looking for is freedom. And then answer the question, what do I want freedom to do? That's the whole point of sharing this. What do you long for freedom to do? Well, I want to be free to travel. I want to be free to spend time with my grandkids. I want to be free to give money. I want to be free to answer that question. What do you want to be free to do? That's your own Google search right there. And that is a game changer. What do you long to be free to do? Talk about as deep a soul level as you can get. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman. 